Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm coming at you solo, but we have the trade deadline and more to cover. Uh, I'm recording right now. Uh, just after 2 p.m. Central Time here in Milwaukee on Sunday, February 13th. Uh, the last time we had recorded, I was joined by Jake Brown of the Downtown Brown Town podcast. That was definitely a hoot and a first uh, in Nuck If You Buck history. Uh, somehow after all this time, just the uh, first time I was joined by another uh, Bucks podcast host. So... Uh, shout out Jake for joining me there. I know he had a a more instant reaction to the trade deadline himself, so I implore you all to go check that out. Uh, but I'll be going over uh, much of the same. Uh, however, I'm giving myself uh, more of the advantage of uh, a little more time to read and react to everything. But we have a few games also to go over. Uh First of all, the Clippers played the Bucks, actually hosted the Bucks last Sunday, the 6th, after we had recorded last. So I'll start with that before we start off the trade deadline talk. As the Bucks dropped 137 points for the second uh, night in a row after they had beaten the Blazers. Uh, that also kind of was a funny coincidence there, how we had played uh, both the Clippers and Blazers in a back-to-back after they kind of really started off the trade deadline week with their one-sided trade, to be sure. Uh, the uh, Blazers sent out uh, Norman Powell and Robert Covington for uh, Justice Winslow. Uh, our own Eric Bledsoe, there's talks that he could be bought out so I'd say the majority of Bucks fans I've spoken to would definitely welcome uh, Bledsoe back as a sixth man of some sort uh, or at least a a backup point guard very high-end one I would say Uh, and then the third guy though that the Clippers sent back to the Blazers was Keon Johnson I guess he was the replacement for a first round pick that the Blazers should have expected back, uh, maybe in addition to all of this, seeing as I think they gave up a total of three picks themselves to uh, acquire uh, Norm and Rocco initially. But uh, of course, the uh, Blazers seem to be entering a different stage in their franchise, uh, long awaited, you know. So as to not spoil anything else to come, I'll just get into the game action. Uh, Bucks won 137-113 on the second night of a back-to-back away. Uh, Clippers were sinking some crazy shots to start the game, including a Marcus Morris and one, but they have a lot of tough shot uh, makers to be sure. But Drew Holiday was scoring the ball uh, 
incredibly uh, efficiently to start out leading the bench unit in the first quarter, holding on to just a slim deficit after the first quarter, 28 to 32 Clippers after one. Giannis had 18 points and three rebounds to Marcus Morris's 11 points and four rebounds after one. Uh, Reggie Jackson also continued his hot shooting at the beginning of the second. And Bobby Portis and Marcus Morris traded a couple corner threes. And uh, Moose was also providing a spark uh, off the bench. It's been discussed a lot how uh, perhaps surprisingly spry Moose has looked in his return for the Bucks here. Also not spoiling more trade talk to come, but there might actually be room to keep Moose around for longer than this 10-day. But we'll we'll see uh, where we're at. I don't know if Bucks fans also want to be married to Moose either at this point for you know what they hope to be another championship run. Uh, Giannis uh, swatted uh, Vicha Zubac's shot off of the backboard, uh, serving as payback, as I believe Zubac got uh, Giannis earlier in this game. And Bobby also splashed a corner three uh, at, over Marcus Morris at the buzzer to take the Bucks into halftime with a 60-51 to 51 lead, and they wouldn't look back from there. Pat Connaughton opened up the third quarter, hitting back-to-back-to-back threes after just narrowly missing a patented patented Pat Connaughton block from beyond the three-point arc. Giannis also got the lucky bounce on his second made three of the night. Uh, However, the Norman Powell trade was clearly paying dividends immediately for the Clippers as Powell was especially aggressive on offense, uh, hunting his shot, and... uh, successful at that to I don't know if it if it quite kept the uh, the Clippers and shouting distance from the Bucks as uh, their lead continued to grow but they would have definitely been in a worse spot had they uh, had they not done the trade that uh, the night before I think it was I think it was uh, the previous Friday actually the trade happened regardless this was also, the second night in a row that the Bucks had dominated the third quarter, uh, somewhat uncharacteristic of the Bucks, as they kind of famously lately have been spiraling once the third quarter began. So, always good odds uh, for the Bucks when they actually make it through the third quarter alive. And going into the fourth, the Bucks led ninety-nine to eighty-one. Giannis had 26 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists to that point. And Powell had 20 points off the bench. Uh, Giannis got 2 blocks in 1 possession. And soon after, Chris Middleton had a uh, rare wide-open dunk of his own. Clippers went on a 8-0 run. But then it was really the Drew and Bobby show. Uh, for the Bucks, they were seemingly um, some of the only two Bucks to uh, get buckets in the fourth, with uh, 14 straight Bucks points between the two of them. Uh, Terrence Mann also got the step on Moose and uh, put him on a poster, but 
uh, you know, that would not uh, turn the tables for uh, for the Clippers. As Bucks won uh, 137 to 113, Giannis ended it with uh, 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. And uh, Norm Powell also dropped 28 uh, off the bench in his Clippers debut, along with four rebounds. Uh, at the end of the game, the uh, the stat that jumped out the most to me was that the Bucks won the fast break point battle, 28 to seven over the Clippers. Um, that's definitely the most one sided category to me. And uh, now, what everyone probably came here for if uh, nothing else was some trade talk naturally uh, I mentioned how the Blazers got the week started off uh, shipping off uh, a couple of their uh, starting level guys and they uh, made even more noise uh, after that Sunday game as they finally parted ways with CJ McCollum uh, in addition to Larry Nance, uh, someone they were applauded uh, for grabbing in the offseason, and our friend uh, Tony Snell is now a uh, New Orleans Pelican. And in return, the Pelicans got back uh, Josh Hart, Tomas Sadoransky, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, Didi Luz- Luzada, if I'm saying that correctly, Uh as well as a 2022 protected first round pick and two second round picks. Again, maybe a light return for the Blazers, but uh, you know, sometimes you uh, do have to make some tough calls, and maybe this is a unfortunate reality of perhaps blowing it up a little too late, but. I guess they had to cut their losses at some point, and uh, they seem to be undoing a lot of the errors of the Blazers, administ- uh, administ- the Blazers administration's past, we'll go with. Uh, so I would say, on paper, the Pelicans clearly won this trade. There's been some mixed reviews, uh, just based off of the uh, kind of the weak fit of having your uh, top three being CJ, uh, Ingram, and Zion, none of which are particularly known for their defense, although the latter two definitely have the uh, physical tools to to defend. Um, You know, and then Josh Hart is kind of you know, the prototypical three and young 3 and D guy that you would want next to uh, a team that already has some potent offensive players in Ingram and Zion. Um, but at the end of the day, the talent gap between, uh, I don't know, the two names on either side, Josh Hart and CJ McCollum, is immense. Uh, plus, I think Larry Nance Jr. would fit uh, tremendously with Zion Williamson, once he comes back, uh, you know, I mean, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife on defense, and I believe he, you know, at least has the capability of hitting 
threes, even if that's not what he's known for, but kind of a similar uh, case with Giannis where it's uh, it's really tough to fit uh, other big men next to them. So, yeah. At the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not really going to nitpick this for the Pelicans because they got a good one in CJ. Um, they seemingly already have a play-in spot locked in with the Blazers uh, giving up here. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker also got rerouted to the Utah Jazz in exchange, in exchange for uh, Joe Ingles' expiring contract. As uh, believe in another report from Woj, uh, supposedly the Blazers aren't necessarily blowing it up and looking to move Damian Lillard. Rather, they're going to try to completely revamp their um, rotation, probably try and get some more defensive-minded fellows, but they still have Yusuf Nurkic, who uh, isn't particularly known for his defense either. So, despite the reports, I think this is clearly the beginning of the end for uh, not only the Blazers as we once knew it, but also Dame and the Blazers. That would probably be for the best as well, but who knows? There, there can be uh, several uh, different kinds of motivations out there for teams and players. Uh, we did have another, uh, I think in somehow an even more shocking trade. <laughs> that came before the next uh, game here against the Lakers was the Pacers sending out uh, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a second-round pick for the Kings, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Uh, the, the reaction to this one's interesting as well. Uh I mean, I I would I I think this is kind of weird for the Kings. I don't know how much, despite the fact that Sabonis is my Lithuanian brother, I don't know if he's really a guy that I would want to build around right now. Um, I mean, he's. I don't want to be slanderous to Sabonis for no reason. He's obviously a two-time All Star, uh, incredibly skilled. Um, for a big man, but he definitely has his flaws and doesn't, you know, quite fit in seamlessly to every uh, to every single team construct. Like, uh, you know, his former teammate in Miles Turner, and uh, yeah, a lot of people have uh, high hopes for Tyrese Halliburton. As well, uh, some people uh, thought that he should have been untouchable in Sacramento. And even if I think that's a little bit overkill, um, I think he was definitely their best player. And for where the Kings were at, I think they probably would have would have been better not doing this trade and holding out, holding on to Tyrese, hoping that uh, everyone else is right and. Hoping that Tyrese can, uh, you know, be an all-star and more someday. 
I feel like I've even battled a lot with the idea of Tyrese Halliburton because, you know, famously Bill Simmons has always been obsessed with Halliburton and for good reason, but he's gone on the record now multiple times saying that he sees Halliburton as potentially a second guy on either a championship or a successful playoff team. I don't know if I would go quite that far, but... I mean, hell, this is his second year, and if you're doing a redraft, you probably wouldn't. I mean, he could. I think someone was saying that uh, Tyrese would almost certainly go like fourth in a redraft uh, from last year's draft. So, you know, I. I think, uh, you know, we also heard a lot of the Simmons talk with, uh, with, uh, the Kings and, uh, how Tyrese Halliburton could have been a holdup there. So that's part of why I thought this was funny. Like, you know, if Halliburton could have got, gotten you a deal done for Simmons and now you're getting Sabonis back, I think that's partially laughable, but, um, you should probably also take into account the fact that, uh, you know, perhaps a Fox and Simmons pairing would have been even clunkier than a Fox and Sabonis fit. Sabonis is also still 25 years old himself. And, uh, you know, today Sabonis might be better than Halliburton, but you could see that uh, flipping definitively uh, sooner rather than later. Uh And yeah, I guess obviously the the Pacers, you know, they announced that they're heading they're heading more towards a rebuild, which uh, I support. But now they have uh, now their backcourt's almost looking redundant and uh, you know the impeccable uh, similarities between Brogdon and Halliburton. Maybe slightly less so, but also having Heald and Duarte, uh, you know, those might be four of their top five guys that they have right now, considering who knows when the last time TJ Warren played was, and, you know, Miles Turner's probably in their top five as well, but, uh, so yeah, we'll see where the Pacers go from here. Of course, we'll be... Uh, probably seeing a lot more of the Oshkosh uh, kid now that he's in our division. But uh, we might as well hop into a little bit more game action now. Several more trades to get to, but uh, the most fun of the week that Bucks fans had was probably Tuesday night when the Bucks uh, took care of business against the Lakers behind Giannis stumbling into perhaps his easiest 44-point game ever. Uh, and the Bucks won 131-116, to but... Uh, that final score looks a lot closer than really most of the game won. Most of the game was, but the Lakers did go on a bit of a a bit of a run late. So a, a tiny bit of credit to the Lakers for coming back, but it was looking pretty pretty sad for them for a while. I even I had an interesting situation for this game. Uh where uh, my apartment building actually shut down the laundry room 
uh, just super randomly in the middle of the week, and, uh, you know, I really had to do some uh, dang laundry. Now that I'm hybrid and back in the office, it's a, it's a delicate balance for, you know, when I do my laundry and such. Doesn't matter, but basically I had to be at my parents' house uh, to get some laundry done and also watch this game, so... Uh, I was I had to drive back to Tosa after this one. Of course, a school night. So, as the Bucks were approaching a thirty ball late in this game, I was definitely uh, praying for it. But they just couldn't quite uh, pass the the thirty point uh, uh, you know lead threshold that I bake in for whether or not I can turn off the game or not. So. I was in it till the end, but would have been a good night for me to be able to uh, turn off the game early and get back to the apartment sooner. But it's definitely entertaining. Giannis uh, blocked Anthony Davis and Russell West- Westbrook twice in the first two and a half minutes of this game. The Bucks even uh, went on a thirteen to three run from the eight to the five minute mark in the first quarter. Uh, Bucks. Dropped 38 in the first quarter to the Lakers, 24. Uh, Giannis had 13 points and five rebounds to LeBron's nine points and, and two assists after one. Uh, Bucks also had an 18 to six lead in the points in the paint battle, with uh, only a minute remaining in the first quarter. Uh, Stanley Johnson got whistled for a flagrant one uh, on a Chris Middleton three. He uh, just invaded invaded his landing space ever so slightly and uh after that the uh bucks grabbed their first uh 20 point lead just midway through the second uh none other than uh greg moose monroe got a swat on a uh, russell westbrook layup attempt something i thought i'd never seen a million years and uh Giannis, uh uh sunk one of his threes as well in the second as the bucks uh, <laughs> Bucks put up 78 points in the first half, which, according to the broadcast, is the most points that the Lakers have allowed at home in the first half in franchise history. Uh, pretty crazy, uh, if true, if I still have my facts straight. But Giannis had 23.6 rebounds, five assists at half to LeBron's uh, 15 points three rebounds, and five assists. Giannis got teed up for mocking Russell Westbrook and uh, arguing with arguing with the referee over the foul call for uh, Russ. Lakers also went on an 8-0 uh, run, but Bucks still led by more than 20 points. This is uh, where I had <laughs> paused myself, uh, hoping that I could uh, potentially make it uh, back to the homestead before midnight, but Giannis also didn't miss his first field goal attempt until the uh, until the 2.30 mark in the third. I believe he at least got to 10, uh, 10 made field goals before, before registering a miss, so always a good recipe for Buck success. Going into the fourth, fourth quarter, the Bucks led 109 to 85. Uh, Giannis had already tallied 31 points, 11 rebounds, and 8 assists, and LeBron had 
points, four rebounds, and seven assists. Giannis had a tough finish over LeBron that could have been whistled for a foul, and he also soon after converted on an alley-oop. Bud challenged uh, Giannis's fifth foul unsuccessfully uh, after uh, Stanley Johnson drove right through Giannis, and Giannis uh, ended up on the ground uh, himself. So something that will definitely get lost uh, in this game was the fact that Giannis was... Uh, had a, had a bit of foul trouble, which might have helped uh, Lakers come back as they had another 8-0 run in the fourth quarter to cut it to a 14-point game uh, to make Bucks fans a little bit more uncomfortable. But Giannis caught another uh, lob uh, out of an ATO from uh, uh, Bud's uh, typical use-it-or-lose-it timeout. Malik Monk also uh, accomplished... A uh, 20-point night by the two-minute mark in the fourth quarter, but by then we were able to see some uh, Lindell Wigington, Thanas Dionda DeCumpo, and Sandro Memo Kalashvili action, and the game ended 131 to 116. Giannis with a with a cool 44 points, 14 rebounds, and eight assists. And LeBron would eventually get his numbers regardless of the loss. 27 points, 5 rebounds, and 8 assists. So now in the timeline is where we reach a trade deadline day. And uh, actually fairly early in the day was uh, when the Bucks uh, made their noise in acquiring uh, Serge Ibaka from the Clippers, sending... Uh, Dante DiVincenzo to the Kings in a four-team deal, which also had Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale going to the Clippers. The Kings sent uh, Marvin Bagley to the Pistons, and the Pistons gave uh, Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson to the Pistons to uh, a little bit more uh, more depth after their um, DeMontis Sabonis trade. Bucks also got two second-round picks and open up two roster spots uh, from this deal. So although I'm terribly sad to see Dante DiVincenzo go, he has uh, definitely a, you know, there's there's a place in my heart where, where Dante DiVincenzo will always remain. <laughs> um, uh, of course, we share very similar birthdays. Uh I'll miss his bright red shoes. I'll always feel bad that he wasn't able to be healthy for that Bucks run, but uh, he was uh, played no small part in our sweep of the Heat, which uh, got our title run off to a uh, good start there. And I mean, hell, he started for us for pretty much all of our. Uh, all the regular season before uh, we won the title. Uh, he got to have his face uh, up on the big windows of Pfizer Forum. And yeah, I know he played, um, you know, the the mold of him as a, as a, a combo guard is something that Gave a lot of hope to myself as a Bucks fan, especially coming off of that 
uh, first rough heat series uh, when uh, when uh, the Bucks offense looked uh, pretty stagnant. So uh, yeah, and especially now with one injury in particular, we might miss him now more than ever. But hindsight's twenty twenty, and the Bucks uh, have always been been uh, thin in the front court this year. Uh, even before the Brook Lopez injury. So uh, in order to, you know, keep a glass half full mindset, uh, this probably has no uh, additional negative indicators to uh, Brook Lopez's return. I believe I also said that when we got Boogie and then word came out that Brook had uh, had surgery soon, soon thereafter. But... Um, I don't have the best sources on this, but I'll say a friend of mine uh, said that he read somewhere, perhaps on a, a MKE Bucks Reddit, that um, I've been Peter Fagan, uh, Mark Lazary, very important Bucks person, did uh, eventually comment on Brooks' return to the Bucks, and they said that they're confident that he will uh, come back for us. Uh, at some point here, but no big details out of that. I think Eric Name, though, had an interview recently with Brooke Lopez. Of course, I didn't. Of course, I didn't do my job and check that out with everything happening this week. But uh, of course, I endorse. Uh, I endorse uh, any work coming out of Eric Name, and uh, would always, uh, you know, direct. Bucks fans to his work so yeah shout out Dante but a surge is a good get uh, you know similar to our, our other uh, trade deadline or buyout acquisitions of the past couple years uh, you know the idea of surge is definitely uh, one that Bucks fans can get behind but with our limited flexibility uh, figured that we would get someone at least slightly past their prime back so there's a possibility that the idea doesn't quite meet the production but uh you know hopefully the odds are more in our favor than not and surge can can continue to be a reliable rim protector while uh, spacing the floor for Giannis. so uh you know He's not just a random big, a random body uh, to throw out there, uh, you know, closer to the idea of of Moose. Uh, but Serge's ceiling is mu much higher than that. Plus, we have two roster spots. I think we must use one of them, but we could just leave the other one vacant, uh, you know to align with perhaps ownership's interest in keeping our tax bill down. But, um, you know, being reigning NBA champions, we should also be on the short list for some buyout guys. And, uh, hell, without further ado, there's one in particular that I know many are thinking of. Could be several, actually. But number one on my mind is uh, Goran Dragic. Uh, he had been 
sitting out from his uh, activities with the rock with the Raptors this year, which uh, always blows. And I don't I don't particularly get kind of along the lines of uh, Andre Iguodala with the Grizzlies. Of course, there's some bad blood there, but I don't think he was the first either to basically sit out when uh, he wasn't in his place of choice. Uh, but yeah, this one was quite interesting. I know I talk a lot about the no dunks guys, uh, whom I love unconditionally. I talk about them a lot on this show, uh, but their reaction as, uh, you know, a couple of them being Raptors fans, I thought was just maybe a little rationally optimistic. Shouldn't say irrational, because Drogic was getting them literally nothing, but they did give up their first round pick this year. And uh You know, I you know, it was just within the past year where they let Kyle Lowry go and they acquired uh you know, they chose Scotty Barnes fourth in the NBA draft, so I would think that they would still uh they'd still like the idea of keeping their first round picks. Uh Especially because Thad's another guy who hasn't seemed to play a lick for his team either. Drew Eubanks is, you know, he's fine, but, you know, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to flip his switch for the team, so to speak. So, yeah, not really... Yeah, the No Dunks guys didn't seem to have any hesitation about giving up a first for uh, Thad Young, who hasn't really played much this year, and Drew Eubanks. But I know they could definitely use some more help in their front court, so that's something. But uh, the Spurs and Drogic will be reaching a buyout uh, at some point here, and the suitors that Woj included, uh, the first two, he noted, interestingly, were... uh, the Golden State Warriors and and uh, L.A. Lakers. In my mind, the Warriors already have uh, plenty of help in the backcourt, but they're title contenders to be sure. The Lakers, of course, are the Lakers, but they're certainly the... Uh, hmm. I don't know, there's one other team listed here that I guess is in a similar category, but... Lakers have left a ton more to be desired. I guess the case for them to receive buyout guys is that they will have uh, a huge, they could have a huge role on this Lakers team and could even uh, contend for being the fourth best guy. So maybe that's attractive to Drogic, who um, was uh, still uh, solid, at least for the Heat last year. But... After the Warriors and Lakers, the Bucks were mentioned in a cluster with uh, the Clippers, the Bulls, and the Nets. Bulls and Nets uh, go uh, kind of along with my similar idea with the Warriors, where, uh, you know, Drogic might be a little redundant there. So, I mean, he may, he may just like the idea of living in Chicago or Brooklyn instead of Milwaukee, but... Guys tend to go more towards uh, 
winning or uh, a higher role when they're, you know, in the upper echelon of buyout guys. So, yeah, I would say at least one of those two factors, uh, the Bucks have the advantage. The Clippers, I suppose, could have more of a role now for Drogic now that they gave gave up uh, Bledsoe as part of the return for Norm and Covington, who aren't going to be, well, definitely not point guards. Uh, Powell can definitely handle the ball, but uh, more so looking for his own shot. And you know, Drogic would be a high-end uh, third guard along with uh, Terrence Mann and Reggie Jackson, but the Bucks, as long as Kawhi and Paul George are yet to be seen on on the court as a late, uh, the Bucks are still probably favored ahead of them. So, of course, I'm biased, but I think uh, Drogic would uh, he he should like the idea of joining the Milwaukee Bucks. Um. I might as well continue on with another candidate. Uh, Jake and I were talking last week about the idea of Dennis Schroeder. Uh, ironically, that we wouldn't want to give up anything of substance for Schroeder, like a George Hill, for example. But uh, Schroeder was involved in another deal with a fellow, fellow Deutscher in drawing a blank, Daniel Tice with the Rockets. So Schroeder's now on the Rockets, which, you know, would seem to be a clear indicator that he's heading towards a buyout as well. Hell, they've had John Wall on their bench all year, and he hasn't seen the floor. So why wouldn't they, uh, so why would they have interest in keeping Schroeder on the bench? But a uh, little birdie told me that, uh, Schroeder might not get bought out from the Rockets, but, you know, if logic holds up, uh, he could be a guy that the Bucks could have interest in on the buyout market. You know, now that, uh, now that we don't have Dante, um, uh, to be, uh, someone to lead the offense in a stretch, maybe Schroeder could be that guy, uh, off a buyout. Um, DeAndre Bembry was just waived by the Brooklyn Nets uh, after a deal that we haven't discussed yet, but he's another, uh, you know, two-way ball handler that the Bucks could have interest in as well. He's currently a free agent and should clear waivers uh, actually later today as of recording. So... After that mild hint, I regret to inform all the listeners that it has happened. Ben Simmons has been traded from the 76ers, and in return, the Sixers uh, received James Harden and Paul Millsap for Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. And... Clearly, this isn't ideal for the Bucks. Ideally for the Bucks, uh, 
you know, this would have been more along the lines of a, a CJ McCollum trade. That would have been better for the Bucks and worse for the Sixers, to be sure. Or, uh, you know, a Tyrese Halliburton deal. That would have been better for the Bucks and worse for the Sixers. Timberwolves, Pacers, they wouldn't have been sending back any any guys near the level of Harden. So, uh, yeah, I, cu- I couldn't believe this one. You know, I probably told friends that I wouldn't believe it until I saw it. But, you know, once the 76ers <laughs> announced on Thursday that they were canceling practice due to these trade rumors, you know, I might have began to shit myself that it's actually happening. But, <laughs> um, a lot of laughs out of this one, uh, course the realization that Harden has forced himself out of two teams in two years uh Harden and Giannis aren't necessarily uh the closest of closest of friends so Bucks fans uh are more prone to antagonize uh Harden but just a rough look for Harden not only forcing his way out of two teams in two years but of course the reporting that Harden hesitated to officially ask out of Brooklyn due to the optics, but you got to be kidding me. It's, you know, when a report comes out sounding that dumb and I, I nearly feel insulted because you know, it doesn't take, take a, a Einstein to figure out that Harden forced himself out regardless of, uh, saying so in an interview like he did last year with the Rockets but of course uh probably also is tough uh being a part of a big three with where one of one of the big three is only around for half of the games and Kyrie Irving but you know previously we had talked about the idea of a of a Simmons for Kyrie swap because uh you know the biggest weaknesses of these two teams were uh uh you know holes that could have been filled by in the Nets case Simmons's uh elite defense uh where they were lacking before and then of course the you know the clunky offensive fit between uh Embiid and Simmons could, uh, you know, the fit of uh, Harden and Embiid on offense is better than Simmons and Embiid, to say the least. You know, many must have their hesitations with uh, Harden and Embiid. Because Harden of course, likes to have uh, his ball in his hand, maybe maybe more than uh, any other player in the league. And of course, you don't want to take the ball out of Joel Embiid's hands, who uh, at the very least is in the MVP conversation or on the short list. Some might even call him a favorite, and I wouldn't even argue it. Uh, but 
Yeah, Harden's been better with more of a with rim rolling big man who catch lobs. Embiid can definitely catch a lob himself, but he he of course uh, would prefer to either post up or um, or you know pop out of the pick and roll for a three. So you know it might not be a perfect fit, but also uh, Embiid and Harden could be uh, one of. The, one of, if not the best, uh, duo in the NBA immediately. Uh, along with LeBron and Anthony Davis, although that hasn't worked perfectly. There's still guys who could be top 10 talents in the league if they if they played at their peaks. Perhaps that's obvious, but... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I hesitate to say that one of these teams is automatically the favorite now. I've heard people say that that the Nets are now favorites. Uh, but in my mind, the Sixers are the bigger winners out of this if I had to pick one because, like I was pointing to before, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago where people thought that perhaps uh, DeJounte Murray, who's now an all-star, but no James Harden, he could have been the best that the that the Sixers could have got back, and now they have Harden. And uh, Simmons also hasn't, hasn't been on an NBA court in like nine months, so... You know, there's there's some real downside there for the Nets. Uh, so yeah, not great news as far as the Bucks are concerned, but we'll wait and see. Uh, you know, we've we've at least already been there and done it before as reigning NBA champions. Uh, the institutional knowledge is still there. Uh, you know, we, we don't currently have to work in someone, you know, to the level of like a Simmons or Harden, which is a tall task to at a uh, tall task uh, to ask for. Uh, if you want to win a title the same year. But yeah, I really I don't know if I would if I would be uh, if I could really argue that heavily with someone if they said that uh, that one of that you know if someone would put money on either the Nets or the Sixers winning the title over the Bucks, I don't think that's the worst bet in the world. But I still believe in us. I mean the the Nets also got back Andre Drummond, who's a big enough body to to uh, try to slow Embiid down in a series. That's kind of a low key part to this. Uh, Seth Curry, of course, has been incredible for the Sixers this year, and he's in a way a throw in 
for the Nets now, but I guess good on the Sixers for holding on to Tybal and Maxi, who uh, is almost laughable to me that they were considered untouchable in one of these deals, but they, you know, good on uh, Daryl Morey for holding out and negotiating. And, uh, I guess it was, uh, it might have been foolish for someone to doubt Maury. Uh, I'm going to skip to another trade that's doesn't have Bucks implications, but definitely shocked me was the Mavs trading Porzingis to the Wizards for uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Davis Bertans, and a second round pick. I'd say the consensus was uh, confusion on this one. Of course, the Wizards technically getting the best guy on paper in Chris Tapp's Porzingis to uh, help out Bradley Beal in the future. As uh, Dinwiddie definitely wasn't working out for the Wizards. Uh, There's actually a lot of slander for him in Washington. So, you know, of course, Wizards fans might not be thrilled about this trade. You know, just because uh, Porzingis has missed a lot of time and he could continue to miss a lot of time. And uh, Lord knows the Wizards have dealt with uh, plenty of injuries recently. But then again, for the Mavericks, uh, they're giving up. You know, I'd say the upside here in Porzingis for, you know, fine uh, role players. I mean, Dinwiddie's, uh, I still believe in him as a starting level guard, but I mean, his stock has definitely fallen and for good reason. He didn't look great the last time the Bucks played them. And Davis Bertans is a. Uh, Someone referred to his contract as dead money at this point. As he, you know, seemed to have troubles even cracking the the Wizards rotation. But, you know, if the Mavericks do find themselves missing Porzingis, uh, Bertanz is, uh, at least fits the mold there. Uh... So yeah, might be an interesting uh, couple of lineups for me to play with on 2K someday, but in the end, it's not really going to affect the Bucks uh, one way or the other. So that is pretty much the extent to the biggest trade deadline takeaways that I've had, and there will be uh, more to come as far as the buyout market goes that we'll get to eventually, but Last game of the week that we have to cover for now is unfortunately the Suns trouncing the Bucks uh, after a significant uh, second half run. Uh, final score: the Suns won one thirty-one to one hundred seven <laughs> against the Bucks. Uh, I missed. Hmm. I mean, realistically. 
I missed most of this game. Uh, I remember, so I had a basketball game that started also at 9 o'clock, same time as this game. Um, I was able to get to the bar that sponsors my basketball team uh, with still uh, two or three minutes left in the second quarter. And at that point, the game was uh, right around tied uh, as I got my first drink with two or three minutes left in the second quarter. But, uh, you know, as I, as I kept looking up, the Suns lead just kept on growing bigger and bigger. The Suns uh, outscored the Bucks 60 to 33 from the 420 mark in the second to the nine minute mark in the fourth. Of course, a long stretch, but Bucks got outscored by... Um, you know, 11 or 12 points in both the second and third quarter. So, um, there's a handful of categories that stand out here, uh, pointing to the Bucks loss. Uh, the Suns shot 56.7% from the field to the Bucks 45.5%. Suns also had 35 assists to the Bucks 18 Chris Paul actually had more assists than the than all of the Bucks combined with 19. Uh, the point in the paint battle, one that the Bucks typically win, but this time the Suns had an 18 point advantage, 68 to 50, and uh, Suns bench also had scored the Bucks bench, uh, 42 to 28. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> so it stands out, of course, the, the 19 assists for Chris Paul, along with 17 points, seven rebounds, five of 11 from the field, um, 0 three from three, but seven of seven from the line. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Deandre Ayton, of course, uh, always a beneficiary of, uh, of, uh, uh, some Chris Paul lobs. He scored uh, 27 points along with seven rebounds, 12 of 14 from the field, three of four from the line. Booker, though, did not have an efficient night. He was uh, he had 17 points, four rebounds, seven assists, but his 17 points came on 19 shots. He was uh, two of, only two of eight from three, but three of three from the line. Drew Holiday and Chris, Middle and Chris Middleton were the Two highest scorers for the Bucks with only uh, 21 points apiece. Uh, Drew had also five rebounds, four assists, seven of 12 from the field, three of four from three, four of four from the line. Chris Middleton had three assists as well, nine of 15 from the field, one of six from three, and two of two from the line. But uh, Giannis... Uh, had a pretty cruddy day by his standards. Uh, 18 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists. Sure, packing the uh, packing the stat sheet, but 5 of 14 from the field. Uh, I can't remember the last time Giannis shot that poorly. Over 3 from 3. 8 of 14 from the line, fine. Uh, I mean... Actually, that's probably not a great percentage from what we've come to expect from Giannis, who's, I believe, above 70% now. Uh, I'll do the math. It's my adding machine. 
It's only 58% from the line from Giannis there, so not incredible. Uh, however, at the end of the day, of course, it, of course uh, it's embarrassing to, you know, have, uh, you know, be losing at one point by like 27 to a team that you beat in the finals within the past year. But perhaps they needed it more than us. And uh, just one loss that still our uh, West Coast road trip ended uh, with uh, the Bucks going 3-1 in a four-game stretch. So you can call that a win. Um, so, yeah, really, the biggest loss from this was uh, Pat Connaughton, who tomorrow, um, Monday, on Valentine's Day, poor son of a gun, will undergo uh, surgery on his fractured right fourth metacarpal. Uh, and <laughs> per Woj is expected to return uh, this regular season, but... Hard to say that that's a huge positive to take from it. I had initially heard that he would be out roughly a month. Uh, so now with uh, with that news from Woj, that maybe that's a bad sign because we have, uh, I would guess, more like a solid two months before the end of the regular season, but I don't have the schedule ahead of me. And, of course, we just uh, traded away Dante. So that's really... Uh, you know, two two wings that we've lost this past week. So, bad timing, but hindsight's twenty twenty, And I think we all would have done this trade anyway, considering how thin we are uh, in the front court. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, the uh, broken finger is on Pat's shooting hand, so he... Might have a slower return once he does finally return to the Bucks, But, you know, like a friend said to me after our game when we were watching the game at Jackson's, uh, you know, it's maybe tough to get too worked up uh, about the regular season now that we're reigning uh, NBA championships. I'll always fall back on that. Uh well, I just pulled up the uh, Eastern Conference standings, and of course it's still uh, congested to say the least. But uh, last time I looked, I thought the Bucks were second. Now they are fourth, 35 and 22. Of note, though, is uh, that that's tied with the third place record, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who must, uh, as of now, have the tiebreaker against the Bucks checks out we've had some embarrassing losses to them this year and we're a game back uh, from the Chicago Bulls in second and two games back with the Cavs uh, behind the Miami Heat I was uh, pulling back the curtain a bit I was actually scheduled to hop on the 305 culture Miami Heat hoop heads podcast on Saturday but uh, I unfortunately uh, along with JJ we confused our time zones a bit and uh I was still in the middle of my uh, class that I'm now taking from 9 to noon uh, Saturday morning. So, 
you know, at least I can truthfully say that I that I would have rather have been recording another show um, there with uh, JJ and talking about the deadline with someone else as opposed to doing a class for my uh, already 40 hour, 40 hour a week plus uh, day job. But that's just being an adult, you know, sometimes sometimes uh, you, you can't just always record a pod at, at, a, at, a, at a moment's notice. Um, we are though only a half game in front of the Sixers right now. They're 34 and 22, but you know, that, that top five will shuffle, uh, day by day. So we ought to not get too worked up as far as the standings go, but I don't know. It's also, uh, we're not going to be thrilled if we end up, um, you know, in a, in a lower seed than we were last year while somehow being ahead of the Sixers and Nets. That's kind of crazy. Uh, so I'm going to look ahead to the Bucks schedule here to aid anyone who uh, you know wants to join me in trying to, on the spot, plan out my week here. So, uh, happy Valentine's Day to us. The Bucks are playing the Blazers yet again tomorrow at 7 o'clock, so that should be a win, knock on wood. Uh, we also have the Pacers in the second night of our back-to-back. Uh, I'll actually be at that game uh, with my uh, friend uh, Bridley there, so be happy to see, uh, see the SOB. Then Thursday, ooh, uh, Thursday we play the... Uh, Sixers and my reaction there uh, comes from the fact that our Sixers game on Thursday is followed up by a Saturday game against the Nets. Those two games are at 7.30. So yeah, we'll have a lot to get to next week, that's for darn sure. But until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Knuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.